Welcome to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. This is where we explore the journey from no one to number one. We've got people already jumping in on the Instagram. We do this live. So I don't know if you're watching this live or you're watching the uh, recording, but either way, I am super stoked to have you here. Thank you so much. Lyrically Indigenous, what's up? Solomon uh, Duara Mez. I don't know, I'm messing that up, but appreciate you guys joining in on Instagram. Uh, as ever, if you guys want to get in on the action, make a comment. You agree with what I'm saying? Give me a number one. You know how to do that little uh, emoji. You give me a number one in the chat. You can communicate with me. I will read your, um, your post. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Today, I'm going to tackle a very big and a very controversial subject. Now, it may have only just recently appeared on your radar, but this shit's been fucking with me for since I was a child. And I want to talk about it. I wrote a big chapter in my first non-wrestling related book back way back 2009. So we're talking 14 years ago now. But I wrote a book called Anomaly, Revolutionary Knowledge in Everyday Life. And um, yeah, talking about medical malfeasance. Now, you may have only recently come across this problem. And I hope that, that it's only been because of the news and that it hasn't personally affected you or a friend or a family member. But it is a very, very big, massive problem that very few people are talking about. Although now, in light of the last couple of years, uh, given the actions of Fauci and uh, <laughs> Trump, Biden, all those guys, it's, it's tragically affecting a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, I know that, you know, there's the Twitter files have been very, what's up cameras at catch? Good to see you, brother. Um, I know that the, uh, the Twitter files have, um, only recently come out. So if you guys don't know about the Twitter files, it's basically, um, uh, it's, it's a free speech movement that has taken traction on Twitter since. Elon Musk's takeover, and it's made Twitter the, the fastest growing platform, free speech. Yeah, people actually like free speech. And, and they've shown the level of manipulation. And this all harkens back to Noam Chomsky's manufacturing consent. Have you guys seen this, or do you know what Chomsky's argument is there? I don't agree with Chomsky uh, in his prescriptions, but I do. Uh, agree about his diagnosis. And that's kind of how I feel about the medical establishment as well. But um, what Chomsky pointed out is that in totalitarian governments, the way of control is through, you know, brute force, violence, things of that nature, uh, corruption, fraud. In a democracy, uh, the way that you control the population is through propaganda. Okay. And so um, the Twitter files are completely like a uh, case study of manufacturing consent. Fortunately, Elon Musk has allowed this to happen. So there is a major social media platform that's not here to manipulate you or take all your data solely. Maybe it is. I don't know. But at least they're allowing dissenting voices. And recently, he's given voice back to guys like um, Peter McCullough who is, I believe, the most published uh, MD. And I, I may be or may not be, but I, I've heard that. I think that's correct. Uh, he's got a voice and he's very critical, especially of these mRNA vaccines, as well as Robert Malone, who's credited with being the founder or the creator of mRNA. Anyway, so all this stuff has made these concepts very, very relevant again. And made my chapter from uh, anomaly that I I've changed it a couple times, but the meat of it is essentially the same. And I posted it uh, up on my website, mentalselfdefense.com. You can go there, go into what's called uh, iatrologic, 
which is uh, a term that I took from a guy named Thomas Zaz, who is one of my heroes, and we'll be talking about him. I gave his last in-depth radio interview before he passed. Super brilliant, man. I'm so lucky to be able to meet him. And um, anyway, um, uh, I'll be talking a little bit about that in the context of medical malfeasance. So I want to I wanna give you guys a little bit of a backstory, okay? So what we're talking about um, is medical harm, death by doctor. These are the um, ways that it's described colloquially, like, like just amongst normal people like you and me. But when the, um, the jargon that the medical industry uses to discuss this is called iatrogenic harm, okay? Um, and that's otherwise known as harm caused by medical treatment or advice, okay? I need you guys to understand, and you could Google this. It is a significant problem, uh, especially in the United States, okay? Um, I was fortunate to talk to Dr. Barbara Starfield when I was writing my chapter of my book back in 2009. This is before she passed away. She was an MD at John Hopkins Medical uh, School. She had written an article for the Journal of the American Medical Association, which I believe is the largest peer-reviewed medical journal, uh, scientific journal on the planet about iatrogenesis or medical error, uh, medical malfeasance, medical malpractice, harm caused by doctors, okay, by the, the current medical system. So she wrote this fantastic book or uh, uh, article in the Journal of the American Medical Association on the subject. But even more recently, the Journal of Patient Safety in 2013, which is more the mo most recent numbers that we have, uh, because they don't self-report this. And this is something that needs to change. And I hope it will. And the, you see this also with the uh, VAERS, the vaccine um, error reporting, uh, the, the vaccine adverse effects reporting system. It's, it's horribly awful. I, I worked as a statistician. I could tell you if you have garbage going in, you have garbage going out. It's vastly underreported. Um, but, but at least something's happening and it needs to be improved. Anyway, the Journal of Patient Safety in 2013 estimated that 440,000 to 980,000, that means half a million to a million patients in the United States die dead. Like you're dead. That's it. Every year as a result of medical error. Okay. So all you people. They got this hard on about guns because you watch too many fucking movies and give a shit about celebrities like they have half a break. Dude, more people are dying from medical error than anything. Oh, let's see here. Who, who do we got? We've got uh, Lightning Hardaway saying, fuck yeah, coach. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Out on Facebook. What's up, Biz Jitsu? Um, so anyway, dude. 440,000 to 980,000. We're talking half a million to a million people die every year as a result of medical errors. Okay. So, just medical errors, iatrogenic harm, medical malfeasance, those numbers, just those numbers, make it the third leading cause of death of Americans after cardiovascular disease and cancer. Okay. Now, this is where it gets fucking nuts. That's just iatrogenic harm, medical malfeasance, okay? Somewhere between half a million and a million patients dead every year. Now, that's the third leading cause of death, only iatrogenic harm. If I add in, because I, I was a statistician, I know these numbers, and I was affected by this shit, so you better believe I got my shit together. I'll argue, you bring any MD on, you bring on any legal person, I'm happy to discuss this shit because I'm right. I've done this research for decades. Iatrogenic arm is responsible for half a million to a million deaths per year. This is according to the Journal of Patient Safety 2013. This echoes the research of Barbara Starfield out of John Hopkins in the Journal of the American Medical Association about a decade prior, okay? That's half a million to a million just with iatrogenic arm. If I add in... Adverse drug reactions, ADRs, adverse drug reactions, okay? The Institute of Medicine estimates that's 1.5 million hospitalizations and another 100,000 deaths annually, okay? 
That's insane. That is insane. Just the adverse drug reactions alone, or, uh, the, the costs associated with the damage that could have been prevented had they not been talking this bullshit is $136 billion with a B. Like, don't be a little bitch. Like, a B. $136 billion a year in damage. That's the cost of just the adverse drug reactions. Okay? Now, like I said, this is 2013 numbers. This is not post-COVID where everybody took an experimental, and I'm not going to mince words. You can change the definitions under emergency usage or whatever. The shit's experimental. Typically, a vaccine, and you can talk to researchers about this, takes 15 years of testing. Operation Warp Speed was not 15 years, and there are side effect consequences that everybody is aware of, and nobody's really talking about because y'all don't got enough fucking balls yet or guts, whatever. But this is fucking killing people, and it's gotten way worse since all of the lockdown bullshit, okay? Because those numbers, those were 2013. It has gotten way worse. Do you guys understand this? This is a fucking massive problem. Massive problem. Just the iatrogenic harm, not the drug stuff, is the third leading cause of death of Americans. You don't fucking hear about it. You think it's car accidents. You think it's guns or something stupid. No, it's you going and getting bad advice, medical advice from professionals who are licensed by the state, mind you. Now, this is a big package to unpack. And I know none of you guys are going to go and actually read because nobody fucking reads anymore. So and I'm an author. It kills me. I love books. Um, but I do want to talk about um, the background here because maybe if you're not going to read it, if you're not going to go to mental self-defense and read the article, I could tell it to you. You could share this video. You might save a lot of lives. This is a very easy way to save people. Okay. Um, now, This all ultimately, in my mind, falls under the purview of medical ethics or what are called bioethics. Do you got, does anybody even know what the fuck I'm talking about? Am I totally like nerding out and you guys are tuning out? This is probably the most important podcast in terms of affecting your life. I'm just, I'm not being bombastic or, or exaggerating. This is true. So bioethical principles is what I want to talk about for a moment. It's a medical, a bioethical, a medical ethical philosophy. It's a way of thinking about making ethical decisions in medicine and in biology, okay? Guarantee you've heard a, a lot about it. You just don't know the terms that I'm talking about because I'm a fucking nerd. I've done that. I've been looking at this shit for 30 years in a serious, like, statistical way for 30 years, three decades, and my whole life because I was almost killed by a botched surgery. And I'm lucky to be fucking alive. And I was 10 and I'm fi almost 50 now. So, 40 years I've been fucking aware of this shit. Okay. Now, in the last 30, well, maybe the last. Really, maybe let's call it the last 20 years. I've been just hardcore on this. Hardcore for the last 20. Now, biomedical, uh, bioethical principalism has four basic main principles. Okay, four. And all of you guys have heard of this, okay? First is the good old Hippocratic oath, right? Primum non nocere is the Latin for first, do no harm. Okay? That's called non-malfeasance in bioethical uh, principalism. And I'll just call it principalism. So it's called non-malfeasance. Okay. First, do no harm. Primum non nocere. Right. And my idea that I brought forth, and yeah, you know, just like all my other ideas, because I don't get them out there and, and really give a fuck about copyright, it'll probably get ripped off. But I came up with the concept primum non nocebo, and nocebo is the opposite of a placebo, right? You give somebody a 
a sugar pill and tell them it's medicine and they get cured. Or well, nocebo is you give them a, a, pill, a sugar pill inert, doesn't harm you. They take it, you tell them it's poison and it fucks them up. Well, <clears throat> first, do no harm or in primum non nocere or first, no bad, uh, bad ideas, bad faith. Primum non nocebo, that's my idea. Anyway, bioethical uh, principles of principalism has four principles. The first is do no harm or non-malfeasance. The second is respect for autonomy. Informed consent. Consent. Not duress. Like, get the jab or lose your job. Like, that just fucking happened. And, and we see it now in these people, uh, like in the NFL, that were forced to keep their million dollars or take this experimental shit, and now they're dropping like flies. Tragic, dude. This very well could go down as the largest crime against humanity in all of history for the number of people that were affected. And that's just on the experimental medicines, on the ADRs, adverse drug reactions. The biggest crime ever, and worse than the Nazis, worse than Mao, worse than Stalin, worse than Hiroshima. This shit. Mark my words, man. I'm right about this. Okay? So, your first guy, do no harm, uh, non-malfeasance. You've got informed consent or respect for autonomy. Okay? So, both of those have been violated. With the, with, with the public policy under Fauci and everybody else that, uh, that they've passed this bullshit with. I'm just being real, man. This is freedom of speech, okay? So this will be a test. Because I know that I've already been shadow banned. It's shit because I don't care. But I, I care in so far as I want you guys to get this information. So pass it along while it's still there. The third idea in bioethical principalism is this idea of beneficence. So not just not doing any harm, but actually doing good. <laughs> Okay, and then the last and fourth is treat people fairly or the, this idea of justice, fairness. Okay, so those four principles are all designed to help guide medical decision making. Not just legal, which it is important, I mean, but as well as moral, which is to me more important and, and more there's a lot of things that are legal or illegal and have nothing to do with morality about what's wrong or wrong. Okay. So do no harm, respect autonomy or informed consent. Beneficence actually do good and be fair. All of those were fucking violated. Every single one. Now, why is that relevant? And how is that connected to, to political systems and legality and all this kind of stuff? Oh, let's see. We got uh, Frankie out on YouTube saying heart attacks coming for the jab. Dude, and I feel bad, man. I knew this was coming. You guys watched me on my social media. I was fucking trying to be as loud as I could. From day one, I knew this was bullshit. It's all on record. So how is principalism and those four tenets of do no harm, um, uh, uh, informed consent, beneficence, or doing good, and in fairness, how are they related? We understand that morally. How is that related to, to legality and maybe some of the things that should happen now? So the thing is this. What's up, Mario Bartending? Have to see out on Instagram. Guys, chime in in the chat if any of this is making sense. You think I'm bullshit? You can say it. I don't care, but you got to be willing to, to face the wrath of me and I'll do it completely within the rules of debate. No ad homonyms, no informal fallacies, but I'll fucking bury your ass because I know this shit inside now. Now, the connection between the moral ideas of principalism and actual legal frameworks and politics and world events, okay? Bioethical principalism is actually deeply related in history to the Nuremberg trials that happened after World War II. Okay? 
Hey guys, it's Coach Jake with the number one podcast. And, you know, at number one coaching, we know that small business owners struggle to scale and increase their revenues. So we're here to help you. We believe that every single entrepreneur deserves the chance to win beyond their wildest dreams so that they can have peace of mind and abundance. We do that by increasing your revenue, teaching your sales strategies to increase your revenue, demolishing employee disengagement. And we do that really by transforming your sales managers into coaches that are concerned with putting points on the board, but those points are revenue. I want to help you. I'm here to help you. You don't have to go through your business life, complacent, just accepting, reacting. Let's take charge. Let's win. You can head over to numberonecoaching.com, schedule an appointment. It's free. We can do a strategy session, 15 minutes for free. Numberonecoaching.com. Thanks. Those principles that I mentioned, in particular, such as respect for autonomy, informed consent and non-malfeasance do no harm were first really developed and institutionalized into a framework of philosophy and 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 political system um, as a part of the reaction to the atrocities of the nazis uh what they did during world war ii and they didn't do it just to jewish people man they fucked over the poor jewish people but freemasons homosexuals, like, dude, it was like bad. They fucked over everybody, okay? So the Nuremberg trials, which there's people still alive today that were alive when the Nuremberg trials happened after World War II, and we hung people for what they did. And it was not even on the, uh, the, the, the scale of what has happened. I'm not saying we hang, hang people because I'm not a capital punishment guy, but I'm saying this is that serious. It's that fucking serious. Okay. So the idea is the Nuremberg trials were held to take, uh, hold these people to account that did these awful things to everybody. And principalism, bioethical principalism, was derived from those trials into apply going forward so that that kind of shit would never happen again. And here we are, not even 75 years later, and it's, on a scale that is so much bigger than we've ever seen before in history. Does this make sense? Okay. Now, how did all of this shit happen? And I'm only talking about the medical stuff. I'm not even touching on the economic impact of policy. The fact that it, I mean, you can look this up. It pushed something like half a billion people into extreme poverty the results of the lockdowns. Okay. What's up, Adam? What's up, ISIS? Happy to see you guys. Chime in, man. We're fired up talking about medical malfeasance. Okay. Now, I just bet you guys are going to want to go back. I'm not going to repeat this because I've only got so much time. We're already 22 minutes. And I was just explaining the medical, the, the, the scope of the harm caused by medical malfeasance, which has only gotten worse in the last two years, okay? But this isn't just a two-year thing. So don't make this about only the last two years. This shit's been going on forever since this is what I talk about in that book, okay? I want to talk a little bit about what caused it, okay? What's up, Cali Revoke? Good to see you, buddy. Um, I argue in my book, that a lot of this happened at the same time when our country had a lot of economic bullshit going on as well, just like we have today, right? A recession or whatever. 1913 was when the income tax was made law and the Federal Reserve was charted. Around the same time, this um, medical licensure was instituted. Okay, 1910, 
was kind of the beginning of it. It didn't actually really happen in 1910, but shortly thereafter, because there was a guy, Abraham Flexner, put out this report called the Flexner Report. You can look all this shit up. Flex, flexing your muscles, F-L-E-X-N-E-R, Flexner Report, okay? And it was a study by this fucking guy and I think it was funded by the by the Rockefeller Institute, if I'm right, who's always seems to be somehow involved in some shady shit. Um, by the way, they are now J.P. Morgan Chase. Just if you're trying to follow the chain, because they cha- it was a bad brand, so they had to change it. Um, anyway, this report went around and it criticized the current medical system back then. Okay, fair. I mean, people were doing dumb shit back then. They're still doing it. Like, it's still killing people today. So it's not like this Flexner report fixed anything. My argument is it made it a thousand times worse. Again, just how it always is done under the guise of like, oh, we're going to help you. We're going to save you. And it's just fucking worse. And you guys need to stop buying that fucking pitch. <laughs> you need to be looking at, for results and what actually, like, look at history. So you don't get suckered anymore. Does this make sense? No. The Flexer Report, right, really shows us this tension that exists between our autonomy and our individual health, us as individuals, and that of what the government wants to happen. This is also when public education happened, too, which is a giant fucking disaster. Public education, let's not call it, use that word, because again, that's a PR trick. Government schools are a fucking disaster. You have to go through a metal detector. People are getting shot and killed. My dad was chief of security for the Denver Public Schools. I know. And that was years ago before Columbine. It's even worse now. Okay? Now, again, that was just when, if you want to call it a, a political coup or whatever you want to call it, but the undermining of individual freedom happened by the federal government with that era, 1913, the Federal Reserve, the um, income tax, the 16th Amendment needs to be repealed, um, and this idea of medical licensure, because there were so many, let's look at recent history now, and let's look at the Twitter files, okay, or the Fauci files, right? (laughs) There were a lot of doctors dissenting. A lot of doctors dissenting. They had the same understanding and argument that I did. I'm not a medical, but I've been affected by it. So I'm deeply invested in this stuff. And a lot of them were like dissenting doctors. They're like, this is bullshit. You can't be doing this. It's dangerous. You, you guys are creating fear mongering to put this shit through and you're going to hurt people, which is happening. But instead of allowing them a voice, they were censored. And when censorship wasn't working, they threatened their medical licenses. You can talk to anybody that has got half a brain about this. This is what happened. But it wasn't just the medical licensure that, that made all the doctors comply and act in lockstep with what these dumb bureaucrats wanted to do to you and your friends and family. Okay? What's up, Dane? Good to see you, buddy. Thank you for joining Marcelo. Happy to see you, bro. So anyway, it wasn't just medical licensure. It was all the business licenses. Hey, if you don't close down and, and toe the line, I mean, ask all these gyms and everything, your, your business license is going to be revoked and then you'll have to pay fines and fees. Do you see how the control structure works, right? Does that make sense? So this is the problem, right? The Flexner Report and this like broad control, this medical fascism, right? You have to understand, as defined by the founder of fascism, Benito Mussolini, fascism is the merger of state and economic power. Do you understand? The founding fathers were smart, but they could only deal with what they understood in their time. Like, you know, you get more information as time goes on and they were dealing with the shit of their day. Like they didn't have fucking jets. They didn't have nuclear bombs. They didn't have, they were dealing with some other shit. And the first thing they did was separate the state and the church because you end up with the Spanish Inquisition where you're like, 
no due process. People are just being killed and tortured. Uh, accusations, like the 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 respect for innocence, uh, the presumption of innocence, like the the rights enshrined to trial by jury by the Bill of Rights. None of that existed. They took care of that massive problem that they were dealing with then by separating out the state away from religion. They didn't do such a good job of separating out the state from the economics. And now that's what we're dealing with. And in fact, after those founders died and we hit like 1910, you started to see a full on assault to merge that power back between and that's fascism as defined by the founder of fascism, Benito Mussolini. Okay. So this comes now to topics that you can start understanding if you follow political economic journals. Okay. Um, a great school of thought called public choice economics, which basically takes the tools of analysis from economics and applies it to bureaucracies and government instead of markets. Okay. And they've got a couple of interesting concepts that I'd like to share with you guys. Have you guys heard of revolving door politics? Do you know what that is? I'm going to look something up on my phone so I get the facts that I just posted this. Revol okay. <clears throat> revolving door politics is when people go back and forth between government positions and private sector jobs. And revolving door politics, particularly... Uh, addresses these people going back and forth between government gigs and private sector gigs in gigs that are already highly regulated by, uh, should be regulated by the government per se, right? So that creates a conflict of interest. That's because there's no separation here, right? Because they can, they can then influence government policies that benefit these particular companies that they worked with and their cronies and their friends, and maybe they have stock. Hello, Nancy Pelosi. Like, there's even like a, I can't remember the website. I'll try to find it for you guys. There's a stock trading website that follows just the, the purchases of people in Congress because this revolving door politics thing, this corruption is a real problem. So another concept that's super important here, because I want to talk about the influence of big pharma with like the FDA and these, these, Organizations that are there supposed to protect you and they do just the opposite. So you got to start looking at like, what are people saying they're doing? Then what are they actually doing? Separate out and look at the results. Look at the actions. Okay. Study the history and stop falling for not only the lies, but being seduced into playing along or not having the courage to stand up when something is bad and it's not right. <laughs> in particular, now me, I love principalism. I believe principalism doesn't just apply to bioethics. I believe it should be the entire way that the system is run. Do no harm. That should be the first thing. Good thing. Informed consent all the way across the board. Third, actually do good. And fourth, right? Justice, fairness. Like, actually be fair at the individual, not group thing. Now, beyond revolving door politics, there's this other concept in public public choice economics known as economic rent seeking. Okay, this is when um, people use government power to create economic advantages for certain businesses and industry, rather than creating wealth through actual increased productivity or increasing uh, creating value through consensual organizations. Right, and licensure follows falls into this. Licensure 100% falls into this. Because if now I can, I force somebody like a medical professional to get a license, now it's very difficult for anybody else to get in and compete and provide a better service at a better cost. Does this make sense? It's actually medical licensure, business licensure, just licensure in general is a disaster. And it, the cause of a lot of these problems, even though they sell it, as a cure, right? But it's iatrogenic, it's harmful. So this is where people talk about crony capitalism. I don't even like the word capitalism, but, and crony capitalism is okay, but I am a free market advocate. Um, I do believe in small business, but you only get a big business if there is this kind of collusion between the state and a business. And then that business is 
buying lobbyists, getting special favor. It's ec economic red seeking. Does that make sense? And I don't like to call it any of that. I call it fascism. Charlotte Twight, um, a great author, wrote about this in the 70s, called it uh, something about fascism. Charlotte Twight, you can go find the book. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but the other word that I like is corporatism because that's what Benito Mussolini called it. Corporatism. That's what fascism was. And that's what we have is ruled by giant corporations that basically have so much power. Does that make sense? So like Pfizer, let me give you an example here. Scott Gottlieb was the FDA director from 2017 to 2019, the director of the FDA. And then in 2019, when he left that, he went to go be on the board of directors of Pfizer. Now, Pfizer, not only do they make one of these shots that's killing people with side effects, this is a company that lost the largest criminal lawsuit in the history of lawsuits. And you're, and you're putting their stuff in your body? Experimental shit? I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know about this. This kid, this is no good, right? So, big pharma is really a result of this revolving door of politics and economic rent seek, right? They've been accused, not just accused, but found guilty of using lobbyists, uh, bribes, all kinds of awful stuff to shape policies in their favor, Co campaign contributions, right? And not only that. It's led to price fixing, the problems of a monopoly, higher prices for consumers. Man, I had to get, I had a blood clot and I had to get on Zerolto. They wanted $400 a month. Whereas I go and I get an overseas pharmacy, it's like a hundred bucks. Does that make sense? And not only do, do, does this, uh, the, this problem with licensure and whatnot, and, and, and rent-seeking and revolving-door politics lead to harm. I mean, look at the opioid crisis, man. How many people were killed? That's not illegal drugs. That's legal drugs prescribed by medical professionals. I don't know what to tell you, man. You need to watch this probably a couple times to grasp what I'm saying because you're not going to see it on the news because every other commercial is paid for by one of these companies. They're not going to bite the hand... The, the news ain't going to bite the hand that feeds them. Does this make sense? Now, it's bigger than just uh, that. It, when you look at the numbers of people on psych meds and the side effects in particular, the violent side effects, you know, we wonder, like, how come back in the 50s and 60s, kids 16 years old would be driving with a, a, a gun rack in the back of their truck to school. They would be doing shooting. There was none of this stupid stuff going on. How come it's only been, coincidentally, since the rise of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, otherwise known as antidepressants, which have in the pamphlets, you read this, side effects, violent side effects, including homicidal ideation means thinking about killing people and increased suicidality, thinking about killing yourself. Sounds like every one of these guys. But you're not going to hear these connections being made on the news, right? I was very lucky. Like I mentioned, Thomas Zaz, I, I, he's been a huge hero of mine. Uh, he passed away a number of years ago. But this guy stood single-handedly in the face of all that shit. And, and in my mind, won and has been vindicated. Most of his ideas have now been proven, right? So anyways, I don't know. If this is blowing your mind or if this is something you already fucking knew, I don't think so because I talk to people all the time and, and I get all these dumb knee-jerk reactions, right? Let's go. Uh, Frankie on YouTube says, Nuremberg was a scam because a lot of Nazis came to America under Operation Paperclip to better. Yeah, I mean, most of them ended up in the Na NASA, uh, NASA, NASA. Keep confusing Nat Nazi and NASA. Uh, but yeah, like you're right. Like it was a little bit, they did hold some of them accountable, but a lot of them they actually brought in. And, you know, there is an argument here that, again, you know, like they've tried to, to, to diminish any of the facts that people bring up like this, the historical facts by label with a label, what's known as ad hominem in formal fallacies. And that is saying conspiracy theorists, right? Or conspiracy theorists. But like 
these are conspiracy facts and conspiracy is a crime. It is actually a crime on the books. And so, um, yeah, man, like they really did infiltrate the United States. And if you look at, for, for example, Bush family, um, we know that, uh, the first president, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, his, I believe it was his father, and I, I'm, I can't remember his name exactly, but I wrote about this in Anomaly. He was a supporter of the Nazi party and eugenics in general. And the whole genetics is a rebrand of this idea of eugenics, which is about genetic purity, which is and Hitler writes in Mein Kampf where he really got a lot of these ideas was how the United States had treated the Native American populations and the African American There needs to be a real critical analysis of the things that I'm bringing up. I'm only one guy. I'd love to have an army of people all researching the bajillion things I brought up today and providing a unified factual presentation about this. Okay? Um, but, you know, People are easily manipulated by fear, and that's where we're, we're at. And so, you know, my story is that when I was 10 years old, I was extremely unhappy uh, because, uh, you know, my parents had divorced when I was four. I had moved around, and I'd moved to this small town, and I, I was, you know, really broken emotionally as a young man. And um, I was failing out of school. And a lot of it was because I was constantly playing hooky. And so uh, uh, my stepfather at the time, raging alcoholic, complete prick, uh, took me. I was constantly grounded because of this asshole. Took me. Uh, he's still alive to this day. You know what I mean? Uh, fuck him. But uh, um, took me to his close friend, a medical doctor. Dr. Leone and fuck that guy. And now that I'm an adult, I could see it because I was a young man and I didn't want to go to school and I was having all these problems. I was really rejecting the way I was being treated and, and not treated well. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be dramatic, but let's call it abuse. And uh, if we're being factual. And um, he performed an appendectomy on me that was not necessary. And I was too young and scared to know what the fuck was going on. And you know what that asshole told me? And, and, and my parents and my step-parents to, to treat it? He left a gap about three quarters of an inch, a hole, in the incision and instructed me to take baths. Now, you may not know what that implication is, but the dirt, bacteria, filth from your body, that's why you take a bath to clean, stays in the bathwater, and all of it seeped into my wound. And within three weeks, I nearly died. I had like a fever of 100. I had the surgery in, uh, right after school was out, beginning of June, for between third and fourth grade. Had the surgery, nearly die, have a fever of 105, 106 degrees on... 4th of July, I remember it because it was like an emergency. I was going to die. I was pus coming out of me, gangrene. Uh, if you know what gangrene is, this is all because of a fucking doctor. And I was 10 and couldn't advocate for myself. Wheels me in to emergency surgery on the 4th of July. St. Anthony's Hospital overlooked a lake. It's no longer there anymore. Overlooked a lake in Denver called Sloan's Lake. I remember there was this hallway that looked over and I could see the fireworks going off on the lake and I got the fucking anesthesia mask and they're wheeling me in that shit fucked me up and honestly i'm very skeptical about the treatment i received for cancer when i was a 15 year old as well based on my research as an adult and those two things have fucked me up my whole life i do believe that uh, my carotid dissection, I only have one carotid artery left, due to chokes in, 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 in grappling, I don't think it would have happened for me had I not been radiated due to the chemotherapy radiation stuff that happened to me as a teen. 
And even if it wasn't the medical establishment, I did grow up within 10 miles of Rocky Flats here in Colorado, which is again a gigantic government cover up. Look it up, known as the American Chernobyl. And very well, if it wasn't medical error, then it was because of a government cover up. So, like, I hope you guys understand why I'm so passionate about this, why I'm so detailed about this, and why. I'm willing to debate with anybody because I know what I'm talking about. And, and you know, I'm just going to be real. The powers that be don't like this. They don't like people like me talking about uh, how it fucked my life over and how, you know, I have, I've made my life amazing. But I imagine, you know, what if these motherfuckers hadn't nerfed me early on? Because I'm, a, I'm an animal. What if I could get those fucking... 10, 15 years of serious trauma back. I mean, maybe I would have wasted it. I don't know. Maybe it's because of that that I'm successful. I don't know. But I do think there are actually people dying and a lot of young, innocent people dying because they're trusting in authority that has a fucking shitty track record. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm pissing you guys off because I don't see anybody chiming in. If you guys agree with me, if you don't agree with me, let me know in the chat. I'm not going to stay on here for much longer because I've got meetings that I've got to do. Um, hopefully this doesn't get banned. We'll see. Um, I might only be able to put it on like Twitter and Rumble. <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyway, I always appreciate you guys. You know, one of the themes of my life is overcoming. Like when I look back at my own personal history in my reminiscence and I've gotten real good at it okay that doesn't mean I mean I've had a lot of fucking uh trauma Frankie says on YouTube bro you sound like you were in the MK Ultra program or Montauk dude I don't know <laughs> certainly sometimes feel like I was either uh part of an experiment or like one of the people that they're trying to wipe off the planet Right, because all this ties into in a bigger scope of the ideas of Thomas Malthus and their implications and their applications by those people in power, and that is basically a depopulation or eugenics agenda. Shit hasn't changed; they just go through rebrandings, and it's still the same bad stuff that all violate principles. I encourage all you guys to look at it again. You can go to my website mentalselfdefense.com. I talk about some of these things there. They're all in essay forms. A lot of it's just chapters of old books that I wrote and put up for free so you guys don't have to bother with Amazon or anything like that. Um, you can go back in the archives, uh, look at my interview with Thomas Zaz. I think that was 13 years ago or something like that, 12 years ago, a dozen years ago before he passed. Uh, I talked mostly with him because he was a, a rebel psychiatrist, like how McCull Peter McCullough and... Uh, Robert Malone or rebel MDs uh, dissenting. Another guy, John Ioannidis out of Stanford, brilliant man. Um, I won't try to spell his name. I I A O N N I D I S. I think that's actually right. John Ioannidis, great, brilliant, uh, heroic epidemiologist and statistician on uh, San Francisco. Totally silence was uh, at the very beginning of this. Uh, very, very skeptical. Um, anyway, guys. Give me some feedback in the chat. I, you know, I typically don't go down this rabbit hole. This was more the purview of my old show, Metal Touch Radio, uh, years ago. This show is typically, you know, aimed more at at the overcoming part, not the diagnostic. But how do we get you to where you are free, financially free, personally free, spiritually free? Those kind of things. That's where my particular emphasis is on and having an impact in terms of allowing that to, to continue into the future. That that's the legacy that I'm really going for is this idea of individual uh, liberty and the idea of consent, if that makes any sense. I think it's crucial. Um, people say libertarianism or whatever, and it gets really bogged down. Let's just call it consensualism, that all individual relationships should be uh, based on informed consent, the second principle in principles. 
right? And I think it applies broader than just in bi than biology or uh, medical ethics because we're all biological creatures. So it should apply completely across the board at every level of the political system. Anyway, guys, I hope this is okay for you today. I definitely nerded out, went into my my old bag of tricks. The whole reason was is because, you know, I, I do have bad effects from the carotid dissection uh, to this day and, and from the cancer treatment uh, when I was a child. And um, it just, I just kind of got pissed off today. Uh, I wanted to share some of these stories and some of these facts and statistics and ideas in the hopes that it saves somebody and improves somebody's life. Um, now, with regards to what I'm currently doing, um, totally not connected. It's just, it's just more of a public service announcement type of thing of information and facts that I know that I think can help people. Um, in addition to that, you know, I've spent the last 20 years uh, plus learning how to help people financially, and particularly in business. Um, I know a bit, uh, you know, I have my master's degree in financial mathematics, or no, it's financial engineering really is what the degree is, but people don't know what that means. Um, um, if I can help you with any of this stuff, that is my purpose in life, is to liberate as many people as possible uh, and help them personally, professionally, financially, and spiritually. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope this was okay for you. I hope this wasn't too heavy. Um, but, uh, you guys have a fantastic day and a fantastic weekend and make 2023 your best year ever, but do it by, you know, being, having courageous. Uh, I think it was, what is it? Thucydides says the key to happiness is freedom, but the key to freedom is courage. And you just gotta, you just gotta stand up, man. And sometimes you gotta take whatever comes with that. But it's like, look at the founding fathers. They stood up. I'm not saying they were perfect. There's all kinds of dumb shit involved back in that, those days. But they stood up and they changed the world. And they changed it for the better. I mean, what you know, they might have made some real bad decisions uh, on a few things. And, and I 100% agree there. But they also did some pretty amazing stuff. In particular, the Bill of Rights that ended up liberating so many people. Let's not lose that. Let's, and, and let's stand up and fight. Okay, for let's go for principalism this time because all this shit, man, the system could all come down at any time. And, and it might be a little bit of a building seven engineered situation where they're demolishing it all. Let's make sure when the rebuilding happens that we fight, that we fight for what's fair and, and beneficent and non-malfeasance and informed consent principalism. All right, guys, I'm going to jump. I got another meeting here shortly. I appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. And as ever, please, if you enjoyed this episode, share it. Pass it along. Hit like, all that. Smash the like button, whatever. Please help us get the word out. My mission is to help as many people as possible. Head over also to numberonecoaching.com. We are here to help you with your small business, help it succeed, help it grow, and help you thrive and become number one.